is up, everyone? Welcome to episode number three of the Breaking the Plane podcast. Just want to start off by saying we are in partnership with Primetime Productions. Check them out on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Primetime Prods and at their website, primetimeproductions.net. Got a lot of expanding content coming to you and being to be available for you here in the near future for all sports. We got NFL, we got MLB, NBA, NHL, and recently an added college football podcast. So be sure to get on there, check it out. Big things coming and, um, you know, going to the moon with it. I'm your host, Burge, back with you. I'm here with my co-host, Joe Schur, and the BTP producer, Brennan Kojak Allen. What's going on, fellas? How, what do you do? What do you do? It's episode three, and I still want to die. <laughs> Elaborate. The Patriots are very bad at football. It makes me sad because I'm 29, and I've never known anything besides being better than everyone. I'm good a defeated old, man. Good I, old reality I, check coming your way. I slept outside last night on principle. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like the dedication. I wish I could uh, say I, I did the same thing, but you know, it was just uh, just another day watching football on Sunday where the three of us were very disappointed, arguing on Twitter, going back and forth, swearing it up. Just get used to it, fellas, because for Patriots fans, not. that's that's what the reality is going to be for a little bit here. We'll get into that in a little bit. The Patriots Raiders game on Sunday. Also, we're going to touch on, you know, a couple of other things that happened here in week six of the NFL. No more undefeated teams here in the NFL. The Eagles and the 49ers both go down this week. Also going to touch a little bit on the Sunday night game between the Giants and the Buffalo Bills. A little bit closer than I think anybody expected and a lot more low scoring than everyone expected there. We're also going to just get a into- preview. Me and Burge agree on everything that happened in every call in that game. So you want to stay tuned for me, me and Burge just agreeing the whole time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll get into week seven. We got a couple of questions from our listeners that we'll get into to touch on, you know, week seven and the NFL moving forward. We got our locks and picks for the week. And we're actually going to get into a little bit of fantasy football this week. Uh, we want to be able to talk about that going forward here on the podcast. So we're going to Give it our first stab this week going into that. So, guys got anything to add before we dive into it here? I think it's going to be a little bit of an animated episode considering uh, what we had going into the recording session tonight with all of our technological problems between the three of us. We all had something go on, so we're all a little bit on edge, so it should be a good one. (laughs) I just want to – the only thing – you just, like, absolutely triggered me real quick with – when you started talking about, like, the no undefeated teams – Um, I feel like even though the quality of play, maybe these go hand in hand, even though the quality of play, I think as, as a whole in the NFL has kind of slipped the last couple of years, I think the parity in the league has been something that I I don't want to say makes up for, but at least keeps you like engaged and interesting. Um, I think that's going to go, I think we'll probably dive into this a little deeper when we talk about like kind of our surprises and some dark horses that we want to talk about kind of going forward here. But um, I don't know. There's a lot of teams that a a couple of years ago, you're like, oh, they're going to be good for a really long time. And there's a lot of teams that were kind of upstarts last year that are kind of petering out a little bit. Um, And I also think that um, the, the top of the top is closer to the middle than it's ever been before. I, 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 We'll second that. We obviously know what we witnessed over the last 20 years where there were always 
two, three teams throughout the regular season that just rolled. I mean, maybe they have their, you know, their classic trap game, letdown game every every season, every team had one of those. But you know those teams were going to be in the final picture at the end of the day. Don't feel like that that that's there anymore in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think that they have succeeded in creating that bit of parity. I mean, you look at a team like Cincinnati who was expected to be contending again for the AFC Championship, if not the Super Bowl, and they come out the gate and they look like ass. They look mm-hmm. bad. They've looked they've gotten their act together a little bit over the past couple of weeks. We'll see if it continues. But there's always going to be that that surprise and that dark horse, like you talked about, that is going to come out of the out of the woodwork in the middle of the season, beginning of the season, and just kind of keep rolling. So, I do agree with you on that. The parity is there, and I think it's the new norm. And I, I like you said, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for the NFL fan as a whole. You know, but I think that- you the, the thing that pisses me. I'm such a purist at some points where I'm just like I kind of like I understand growing the game. Like, I understand all that kind of, like, you want to be able to be more appealing to more markets or more segments of, like, the population, which is why I feel like they want to, like, inflate the scores and have more more offensive play and have more parity where a team that is not historically a, 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 a like, a, like a, a purebred town, they could actually make some noise and actually do something. So I understand it in a sense, but, like, in my, you could do this in every sports league in the major four sports in America. You could probably cut the bottom two to three teams off of and distribute those good players to the worst teams that are still left and and have a better product overall. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> that's kind of not how it works. It's all about money. They are franchises from a giant organization, so I, I do understand it in that sense. But it, I, <laughs> at some point, you're just like, what the like. Like we'll get to it, but like watching the Pats and the Raiders this week, I'm like, dude, these teams are fucking ass, bro. Like, there's like five good players, and four of them are on the fucking Raiders. Like, it's it's <laughs> it was awful to watch. And even Max Crosby was out there, like looking like a jackass at some points of time. Like he almost breathed like right back into the Patriots and uh, threw a penalty. But uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Let's kick it off here. I just wanted to get into that before I forgot. I just think it's it, it was at a point a couple years ago. I mean, not even a couple years ago, but a decade ago, where it was like just the good quarterbacks in the end, just the same four quarterbacks. It was fucking Manning, Breeze, Brady, Rogers, and Roethlisberger, and Roethlisberger yep. at the end. It was it was basically that. It was. But now you have like guys in their second year, like Burrow and Hertz, going to the Super Bowl in back-to-back years, which I think is a product of the fact that these teams. I think some teams are fucking loaded, like the Eagles. But obviously, there's a lot of parity, and you get teams like uh, the Bengals. If they're going to be picking at the top of the draft for long enough, they're going to they're going to fucking hit. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's 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 get into it here. So, first thing we want to talk about here today for you guys is the undefeated teams are no more. The San Francisco 49ers dropped a close one in Cleveland this week, 19 to 17 to the Cleveland Browns. It ended on a missed field goal from, I think the kicker was Jake Moody out there in San Francisco. He missed a kick or that ended the game. Yeah. And his whole family was there to watch him lose the game. <laughs> That's a tough. Look. I tough usually look. feel bad for people like that, but dude, you make it, you're going to make like a million dollars this year. So I'm definitely going to laugh at you. Exactly. Exactly. The other surprise, the other surprise game was the Eagles dropping twenty to fourteen to the New York Jets, led by Zach Wilson. I don't think anybody saw that one coming. We'll we'll get into that here in a little bit. Let's start with the with the Forty ers and the Browns. Obviously, watching that game, the the Forty ers did suffer some injuries in that game, which 
we we know what you know Brock Purdy is. He's we we can call him a system QB. That's what he's billed as. I think he's a little bit better than that personally, but yeah. he thought he lost some of his talent. And you know, CMC goes out. I think he missed most pretty much the entire second half of that game. Yeah, killed my he played like one snap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, fantasy teams hurt for that. And then Debo Samuel was also uh, went out in the middle of that game. So they did lose some 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 key players in that game. It's no excuse to lose to a team like Cleveland. I think that San Francisco, even without those two players, is far and away the better team. They should have won that game, and they shouldn't have been in a position for Jake Moody to have to kick a game-winning field goal, in my opinion, on the road. But for me, you know, we just talked about it a little bit in the intro there. I'm here for it. I don't want to see any of these teams go undefeated late in the season like, you know, the Eagles did a couple of years back. I, I, I don't want to see it. I like I like when the, there's upsets that occur, and, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see We'll see where these injuries go for, for San Francisco. CMC's report came back it was pretty optimistic that he he may actually play on monday night next week in week seven uh he's kind of a big piece to that to that to that offense he's a pass catcher he's a great runner and we know his injury history too he when he was in like who cares they need him in week 17 through 21 fair point not week seven whatever keep going no that's a fair point that's a fair point they need him then they need him late in the late in the season like you said Uh, we we saw a little bit this is I think Brock Purdy's first loss uh, as a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he was not regular great. season because he regular lost season. the. Well, okay. you want to talk about the AFC, the, the NFC Championship game when he was out there playing with no arm? He dislodged his lower arm. I from mean, his elbow. I mean, kudos to him for even being out there in that game. Let's be let's be honest. Kudos to him for be actually even being out there, but. That's why the NFL instituted this whole emergency third quarterback thing was because of an incident like that. That, that ruined yeah. that playoff game. That ruined the playoff yeah. game. They didn't have a quarterback to go out there. They're basically handing the ball off every play. So, <laughs> Dude, Phillip Rivers was going to be the 49ers quarterback <laughs> in the Super Bowl. <laughs> they made I know. It there. I know. It was fucking it's, wild. It's crazy. Um, but, yeah, it's it's his first loss as a regular season starter. Every quarterback's going to run into it. I'm not going to put in, you know, right off Brock Purdy as a complete total system QB. He's the benefit of Kyle Shanahan and the talent around him. I'm not there yet. Every quarterback has one of these these type games as, you know, early in their career. Tom Brady had, had, had it up in Denver, I remember, 20 years ago. We threw four interceptions in the game, and they got blown. Yeah, that was out. one game he threw for like yeah. less than 100 yards in yeah. that, in that so, second season where he took over, yeah. If these players are out and Brock Purdy continues to struggle as he did on Sunday, then that's going to change the narrative, I think, a little bit. But as for now, chalk it up as just one of those games for them. Again, they were in position to win the game at the end, surprisingly. Obviously, their their kicker missed the kick. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I still – I still buy what the 49ers are doing. What do you think about this game, Joe? Yeah, I want to start kind of like right where you ended there. Um, even though Brock Purdy probably had one of his worst games as a pro, his worst game since he was throwing picks backwards to defenders standing behind him in the pocket at at Iowa State somehow. There's some of the craziest <laughs> highlights you'll ever see. Lowlights, more like. But um, it was kind of a perfect storm, right? You're playing on the road, decent front seven that gets a decent amount of pressure. Um, shitty conditions. Um, you're still a second year player, no matter like, no matter what, that's still a little bit of a disadvantage, not being a veteran at that position, but, uh, it's kind of a perfect storm against him, but he's still, like you said, he still leads his team down there and puts his team in a position to win the game. Like his, 
you you want to say that his special teams let him down, but you can obviously say that the uh, the other hand scratches the back too when he's when he's when he's not performing the entire game, putting him in a position to lose to, mm-hmm. to a team as a five and a half point favorite. I don't know who would take that as their lock, but just an absolute idiot. <laughs> take that as a lock. I can't, <laughs> dude. Dude, touchdown favorites on the road. Two of the best teams in the league both out lose outright. Not just not cover; they lose outright. <laughs> Whatever, but they um, lost yeah, to PJ Walker. PJ yeah. Walker, and he threw, he didn't throw hey, a touchdown. XFL MVP, dude. He threw two picks. He tried yeah. to lose the game, and they couldn't close it out. So, well, that's, I, how, I, that's how underdogs win, Bruce. You yeah. know, as, as soon as, yeah. as soon as you get the game in the muck, as soon as you play the game between the 20s, the team, usually the underdog, especially the person and underdog at home, they're going to have a lot better a chance to win a game. At the end of the day, they did enough to win. 49ers couldn't close. I'll chalk it up as a trap game. Like I said, I'll chalk it up as a trap game for the 49ers. They're still going to be right right there at the end of the day. This this I'm not going to until I see a bigger sample size of performances like this from the 49ers, they're still more or less I'm not going to go as far to say a walk for the NFC Championship game cuz like you said parity all that whole thing, but like they're going to be right there at the end. They're going to be right there. Brock Purdy's going to rebound from this as long as they stay healthy on both sides of the ball. Got nothing nothing really Nothing really to worry about, I think, with San Fran. On the other hand, we can go to the Philadelphia Eagles now, losing 20-14 to 14 to Zach Wilson in the New York Not Jets. Not the same feeling about the favorite in that game, brother. Let, let, me, let me pose this question to you now. Has Zach Wilson kind of figured it out a little bit? Are you starting to see a little bit of glimpses from Zach Wilson and the Jets? Like, Are they going to be a wildcat? Wildcat. If the Jets had an average card. NFL quarterback in that. If the Jets yeah. had an average NFL quarterback in that game, they win it by ten points. Well, they won by six, so they were pretty close with with with, with Zach Wilson there. Oh I yeah, think. I mean they were down. Yeah, they scored a touchdown. <laughs> but like, dude, I think uh, I don't know. I have such mixed feelings about the Jets. Like Kojak and I have like a really good Jets, like really good friend that's a Jets fan. Shout out Shiloh. Um, that's gonna get me to another point I want to make after this. But like, first things first, the Jets have. I the bet the Jets have the best defense in the NFL. Um, when you get the all their cornerbacks back, when you get Sauce, when you get I forget their second string back, but they do they were down there in top three corners, and dude, their front seven is fucking legit, dude. They have best like in the league, dude. They have four or five guys that can legit play, they can legit play. They have really good linebackers, and I think that they're coached by somebody who gets men to play for. Them. I think Salah is a good motivator and a good leader of men, which brings me to my next point is I cannot stand to listen to him talk for more than 10 seconds, bro. He needs to shut the fuck up. I'm not lying, bro. He's taking receipts last year. He's, he's, he's talking about this gauntlet of quarterbacks, which includes Mac Jones. Like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, yes, dude, you guys are very good. And I think that, Part of me, part of me is hoping that he's doing it on purpose because he sounds like such a fucking jackass that if you're not doing it on purpose, that it's kind of out of line. Like, dude, like you have the best defense in the league. You're going to be shutting down quarterbacks, but you're still winning games by like one or two points, dude. You guys aren't blowing teams out. You guys aren't. You guys are 500. Like, come on, let's let's keep it in perspective here. But like, I think that um, their front seven, coupled with the fact that Brees Hall is. That, that dude, I think that we probably have maybe five or six games left until Brees Hall is 
basically CMC, dude. He is fucking good, dude. He's really, really, really good. Garrett Wilson, top five, top five wide receiver already, dude. I drafted him in my fantasy league like very high, like uh, two years ago when he was a rookie, dude. He's legit. And I do think the one thing I will say is I don't think Zach Wilson's figured out. Like I said, I feel like I don't know if they I think they might have Joe Flacco on the roster, dude. I might fucking throw him in. But um I think he's figuring something out chemistry wise with Wilson, who is becoming more comfortable, like kind of putting the ball out there for him, which I will say that like when he first got into the league, he was way too cavalier and he was kind of throwing the ball downfield like carelessly a lot. And I think his problem up until the last couple of games is he's been way too conservative and depending on his legs, which I he's obviously an athletic quarterback, but I think that um He's muted a little bit in that aspect by like the athletes in the NFL, but yeah, I did. Dude, the Jets are good, bro. The Jets are good. They're 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 an elite defense. They're an average offense, and right now, dude, that's going to win you games. Absolutely. And Brees Hall, I mean, on the ground, he wasn't all that impressive in this one. Twelve for thirty nine in a touchdown, which I think the touchdown was what sealed the game for them. Yeah, uh, for for the uh, the Jets against Eagles here, but. Five receptions for 54 dude, yards. they let him score. They let him – oh, sorry to step on you. But, dude, no, did you see that play? I didn't watch the game, so. Bro, <laughs> maybe three fingertips. Like, they let him score. Like, it looked like the, the Red Sea part and you walk right through. Not taking anything away from Brees Hall. I'd take him on the fucking Patriots any day of the week. But what did you say? What was his receiving line? Five for 54. Yeah. That's and for a, a young quarterback who's very inconfident down, not very confident downfield, like, yeah, it's a good thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to touch on Garrett Wilson, eight eight for ninety, not a bad day for him. Injury. Fantasy fantasy points wise, that's seventeen points. That's a good fantasy football day for you there. Yeah, I, I I'm a little concerned <laughs> that the Jets are figuring this out a little bit with with Zach Wilson at quarterback. I mean. I don't know if you've seen uh, the the highlights of, of Aaron Rodgers actually throwing already. You know, he comes back at the end of the season. Drug I, test him now. Drug test him now. Not when he comes back. Drug <laughs> yeah. test him now. Yeah. Because that's how that's how Ray Lewis got away with it. Because when you're on IR, you don't get drug tested. Yeah. Oh, I got to fact check that. Hold on. I'm going to look that up real quick. <laughs> but uh, while you're doing quick. that, Cursor Kojak, can you look that up real quick? Can you can you look up if you're on IR? Can the can the league drug test you? Stand by. <laughs> TJ, while, pull that up? While, while, while you're pulling that up there let's talk a little bit about the eagles jalen hurts has three interceptions in this game he's their leading rusher with eight carries for 47 one. yards yeah dude like i don't know how that's a recipe for success aj brown went off in this game seven for 131 that's a good day for him but at the end of the day i mean you don't want your quarterback being your leading rusher. You never, you never want to see that. I don't care who your quarterback is. If it's Jalen Hurts, if it's Josh Allen, so Lamar Jackson, doesn't matter. You don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. And it was in this one here. They only ran the ball twenty-two times. That doesn't seem like a, like a, Eagles type offense. If if and if they didn't. Do, I don't think they did. They only did like one brotherly shove. I don't think they. It's just strange. I, I can't it's strange. I, I almost watched the whole game. I can't remember. I don't think there was a couple times where you were like, dude, why aren't they shoving Jalen Hurts over the over the first down? I don't know. I think the Jets defense, like you said, we just talked about their front seven. I mean, DeAndre Swift was went for 10 carries for 18 yards in this game. So, like, 
they had they had the running game number and they were like let's let's make him beat us with his arm and obviously Jalen Hurts didn't really do that. He still threw for 280 yards. Don't get me wrong, but three interceptions, so he made his mistakes. Only one touchdown and he was 28 for 45. I don't think you're if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, recipe for success is not Jalen Hurts throwing the ball for 45, you know, attempts. That's not your recipe for success. No. Especially, especially when you're playing a team like the Jets too. You know what I mean? Like you want to, like you're like, I know the Jets have a good front seven, but like you want to run the ball versus Jets. Like they have good corners. They have good, they have good pass rushers. Like you want to go at them almost. You know what I mean? Go Jack. Talk to me about drugs. You can definitely. (laughs) Yeah. You can be drug tested while on IR. Fuck. It doesn't matter your situation. Wrong. How did, how did Ray Lewis, whatever the torn bicep thing, like, Dude, whatever. Judon's going through the same thing, and they're like, yeah, he might not play this season. I'm like, dude, but Ray Lewis tore his bicep in, like, week 12, and he played in the playoffs. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> dude, it's definitely something definitely something to look at. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers comes back from a torn Achilles at the end of this season to play in, like, weeks 17, 18, and in the playoffs for the Jets, like, that's absurd. All right, listen to, ACL, right now. listen to this right ACL, his Achilles, 30 days ago. I know. He's listen starting to this football right and walking without a boot. Everyone, everyone, the eight people listening and the two people in this chat room right now, listen right now. If Aaron Rodgers plays a football game in this current NFL season, I will do the exact same ayahuasca retreat he did before he chose to go to the Jets. And I will document the whole thing, and it will be on the BTP YouTube. I promise. Everybody else besides Damn. me just has to pay for it. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll go get lost. Book it. I'll go get lost. Book I'll go it. get lost, baby. I'll get lost. I'll put it on the credit card and we could set up a GoFundMe to pay it off. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> if he plays another game this year, if he plays another game this year, I will do the ayahuasca retreat in the hut in the dark. And I will put it on the BTP YouTube. Mark it down. Everybody, make sure you guys remind him of this. We are going to put this out on our X account after this podcast drops. I'm also a degenerate gambler, so that has nothing. <laughs> that, that The past three minutes have nothing to do with that, I promise. <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, it it's sucks. We had, a, we had a huge bet, me and my Jets fan buddy that we talk about. We had a huge bet. Bunch of stipulations. They have to do this. They have to do that. We have five hundred bucks riding on it, and they were basically we were basically like, all right, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt before week eight, like everything's over. And now what's going to happen is that he's going to get hurt. He's going to come back before the end of the year. I'm going to do the ayahuasca hut and lose the bet somehow, and then I'm going to be paying for the ayahuasca hut and paying my buddy for the bet. So it'll go great. Oof. Oof. Yeah. That seems like a good point to move on from the New York Jets here. But lock it down. Lock it down here. He's going to do the retreat if Aaron Rodgers throws another Aaron Rodgers steps on the field. Joe Scherr steps in an ayahuasca hut. Lock it in. Real, real quick, if he if he steps in and he's the backup to, to Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson's Has doing to play so well. Play. Has to attempt to pass. Has to attempt one pass. If he gets hurt like he did last time, he didn't get the ball out. He didn't get the ball out. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> Doesn't count. I'd say, I'd say take a snap that's not a quarterback kneel. That's where I'd put it. That's where I'd put it. All right, I'll agree with that. Has to be in uniform, on the field, take a snap. That's not a kneel in the first quarter. 
Mm, okay. All right. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Let's let's fuck let's, it. Let's you can come in. I want to do the I. I'm like low key trying to shoehorn the ayahuasca <laughs> hut in here without like looking like a drug addict. Like a low key want to go get lost in a stick, like a stick hut. Let's lock it down. Lock it down. All right. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers plays. I go in the ayahuasca hut. Lock it down. Next subject. Let's go. I don't know if I want to go to the next subject though. I don't think I don't think any. Hey, you want really to talk about like my spirit animal? I think it would be like uh... kind of like squirrel, like something high strung <laughs> and like very annoying and very plentiful. So like I... chipmunk, squirrel, <laughs> bunny, depending on what kind of the word. Kojak, you know you know him a little bit better than I do. Is that is that an appropriate uh, no, I'm animal thinking, for him? I'm thinking he's. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, give me a second. One thing I am, I'm pretty. Um, squirrel that's I'm annoying. He, he seems to fit that. He seems to fit that already. And the the three yeah, but the bushy tail him. doesn't. I'm, I'm. I don't know. Is there it's a the balding hair. animal out there? <laughs> Some kind of animal that just balds at an early age. That'd be me. That'd be something I haven't caught. You balding or thinning? Before. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> We don't want to get into that. All right, so we're we're gonna we're gonna move into our 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 topic here, and it's the New England Patriots versus the Las Vegas Raiders down in. Allegiant Can we talk Stadium. about me balding again? Never mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, you probably want to. You probably want to. But at the end of the day, the Patriots lose to the Las Vegas Raiders twenty-one to seventeen on the road at Allegiant Stadium down in the city of Sin. And this one just hurt in so many ways coming off the past two weeks that we have very much outlined on our two weeks of actually podcasting. That's been our first, this has been our first three weeks of podcasting. This is what we've had to, had to put up with for the Patriots. Like imagine that luck, right? Imagine podcasting three years ago. Five I was ago. just gonna say, dude, we would we had we had how many years to start a podcast? Oh, and we started know. right after the well, Patriots. we won another Super Bowl. Yeah, like so. This was a tough one, you know, for me to watch. Obviously, there was a lot of noise coming into this game about the Patriots, their quarterback, their coaching situations. Everybody knew Mac Jones was going to start this game. Patriots didn't really have any other options, but it's very interesting coming into the game with Malik Cunningham signing an actual three-year contract on the active roster. Who was on the practice? He was on the practice squad prior to that. So there was a lot of intrigue and excitement to see how they're going to use this kid, this rookie. Wasn't very impressed with how they used him in this game. But at the end of the day, the Patriots lose 21-17. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt in the first half. Who do we get saddled with having to watch in the second half? <laughs> Brian Effing Hoyer. All right? Brian Effing Hoyer was out there. Okay? And he made Mac look like a freaking middle school quarterback. Brian Hoyer. Obviously, we know Brian Hoare is an NFL veteran in this league. All right. He's been around the Patriots. He's been all over the place. He's kind of been here, been around basically Bill Belichick his whole career in, in, in a sense. Like Bill Belichick cut him so he could go sign a big contract with Indianapolis years back. And where does he end up when he gets cut by Indianapolis? He ends up right back here with the Patriots. He's out there throwing darts, throwing dimes in the second half. At the end of the day, He's the reason they paid that the Raiders beat the Patriots. And that that hurts even more. Like, dude, this this clown. We always clowned on him around here. We clowned on him when Brady was here. We clowned on him when Cam Newton was here. And we clowned on him when Mac Jones was here. And the Patriots still found a way to lose the game. Mac Jones throws an absolutely atrocious interception in this game. 
blatant overthrow of a wide open Hunter Henry. It was just an awful throw. It was solely on him at that point. You can't blame the offensive line. You can get into the whole thing. Can't blame the offensive line. Can't blame the weapons for this one. This is absolutely brutal. But at who the do end you of the blame day, for it, Bursch? Who do you blame for all that? I'm not going to blame it. Here we go. I'm not done. I'm not who done. I'm not done. I'm not done yet. <laughs> but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Patriots have the ball with a little over two minutes to go in the game. Yeah, they're pinned a little bit deep in their in their territory. They got a shot to win the game. After two penalties. Dude, I dude, dude, dude. <laughs> Mac Jones throws an absolute dime to my boy, Devontae Parker. One more time. Hits him in the effing hands. And the he drops it. No, according to him, it was a fingertip. Yeah, it hit him right in the freaking hands. But at the end of the day, that happens. A bad play happens or a mistake happens for the Patriots, and they effing crumble. They take a delay, an inexcusable delay of game penalty deep in their territory. And, you know, they're at like, I don't forget what yard line, but they were like the five yard line. And then, of course, in Patriot fashion, what happens? Safety. Safety. Yeah. Like, good cover by the Patriots. Thanks, guys. Like, oh my God. Like, they had a chance. They had their chance to win the game. They didn't do it. It seemed like every good big play that they had in this game was negated by some sort of penalty that occurred offensively. I mean, I think I remember the Ezekiel Elliott oh went for a God. touchdown. It was like a 75-yard screen pass for a touchdown. Negated on a holding penalty. Say what you want about the holding penalty. It, it, it Technically, you know, if you want to argue the no, law, it was a law, hold. It was a hold. It wouldn't have gotten called if the guy didn't act like he got shot. Yeah, but like a little bit of a dive. It was still a hold. It was a little bit of a dive, but he got him under the shoulder. He got he hooked him right. That's that's yeah. It was ticky tack, ticky tack. But yes, by the letter of the law, it was a hold. Can't blame the officials for throwing the flag there at all. It was a flag. But my God, what the f is going on with the Patriots right now, Joe? I I I I, I'm like you. Uh, I'm a little bit older than you. I remember a little bit of the bad years but I don't remember it ever being as bad as it is right now. So what the F is going on? Well, on Sunday, the Raiders eulogized the Patriots. That was the Patriots' eulogy. It's over. It's over. The dynasty's over. Everything's over. It's finally complete. The dynasty was already over. There's not no there's no there's no pieces to it left. There's no Matt Slater aside, dude. There's no McCordy, there's no Gronk, there's no Edelman, there's nothing, there's no Hightower, there's nothing, no Jamie Collins, nothing. All you have left is David Andrews, who was actually the third best Patriots lineman this week by Pro, uh, pro Football Focus. But it's nothing left, dude. This is what it looks like when you have a bad roster and a team that doesn't give a fuck. That's what it is. They know that they're playing for Bill Shula record. As soon as they figured that out, when they looked around the wide receiver room, when they looked around in the offensive team room, and they saw no fucking talent. Even if you're a good player on that team, if you're Hunter Henry, if you're Kendrick Bourne, if you're Ramondre Stevenson, and you look around, you're like, oh, I, I, I've got to do this myself. I've got I've to do this myself. And that's not a good feeling on a team. Even if you're on a fucking men's league basketball team or some kind of flag football team, and you look around and like, Oh, 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 we're fucked. You can tell, dude. You can tell. In in, in football, such a physical game where you put so much of your life and your livelihood on the on the line every play, dude. If you know it's over, dude, it's just gonna snowball and get worse. 
And that's why last week when I was calling for Bill's head, dude, I'm, I don't want to do it unceremoniously. I don't want to do it that way. I want Bill, even if Bill goes 7-10 and 10 and we ride off into the sunset and he leaves and he retires after the season, I'm fine with that, dude. But, like, we've got Buffalo and Miami coming up the next two weeks, dude. <laughs> Bro, we're going to be 1-7. and seven. Like, that's not good. 1-7 and seven with a 71-year-old coach who is averse to adding any kind of talent onto the offensive side of the ball when the most valuable part of your franchise right now is your quarterback. And you need to augment that when you have them on a rookie contract. It's not rocket science. You don't have to outsmart everybody. You can do the same thing as everybody else and outsmart them on the margins. That's what the Patriots did for 20 years. They outsmarted everybody on the margins. They did the meat and potatoes right. They had the quarterback. They had the system. And then they beat everybody on the margins. That's why That's why special teams mattered for so many years. But it doesn't matter, bro. It do, none of that matters. Signing Chris Board to a great contract doesn't matter. Signing Matt Cardona to an extension doesn't matter. Drafting a kicker and a puncher doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. You need to burn it to the ground. You need to start from the beginning. I, I'm broken, bro. I'm. Uh, I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. You look I, like you're gonna cry right now. My dude, I, I sound, dude. I don't. I usually have conviction when I talk. I'm fucking loud, bro. I, I'm, I'm broken, dog. Like this is, this isn't fun to watch. No, it's, I'm like it's, going. I'm like walking into the bedroom where Kayla's, my wife is laying, and being like, oh, I need a break. Like during, like in between plays. Like usually, like love my girl, mean it, but those four hours when you're playing, when the bats are on, I'm fucking locked in. I'm I need an escape. It's it's horrible. It's depressing. I'm I'm there with you 100. percent And I have this thing with my wife, and everybody kind of around me understands it. And Twitter, I've made made it pretty clear is that like I'm going to be irrational. I'm going to be emotional. And I'm going to say things that I may not actually mean in that period from the time of the start of the game for 24 hours. I'm going to be irrational. I'm going to be emotional. I'm not going to be thinking with my head. I'm going to be thinking based on nostalgia, what I witnessed from my childhood to now. Like, but I'm getting to that point right now. Like, I'm just like, dude, this is like, it's not worth it. I got three kids at home. I can't, I can't be swearing at the TV all the time. I can't shut down for, you know, a day. And like, I'm just like, I'm kind of trying to tune it out a little bit, but you know, you, you say, you say this whole thing about, about the margins. And I agree with you hundred percent on that. And going into the season, I felt that this Patriots wide receiver room had enough. And I'm not saying that they were absurdly talented or they had, you know, that guy that defense were going to game plan for, but I felt that they were going to be all right. And going into and seeing what we've seen over the last three weeks. And I, you could take the first, the first, what are we at week six or the first three weeks of the season. There was a lot of good to take away from that. Yes, they, they they came up short in those games, but they went toe-to-toe with some of the league's best. They went toe-to-toe with the Eagles. Dude, the passing game looked good the first three weeks. Dude, we were yes. dude, people were like extrapolating Max Stacks to be like, yo, he's gonna throw for 4,500 yards and yeah. 35 touchdowns and 10 picks if he if he keeps on this pace. Like I, and that's I where we were know. three weeks ago. And I don't know what the hell happened going into that Dallas game. I don't know where, what switch flipped or 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 what happened inside the, the building there 
that that caused it to go from, hey, we can hang with the league's best. We're going to beat the league's bad, you know, mediocre and worse. We're going to beat them to you're now in conversation to have the number one overall pick going into, you know, Buffalo and Miami. And I think the worst scenario for this team, again, now, maybe not for Bill, but now in the future is that they're going to find a way to steal some of these divisional games that they should have no business winning. I mean, we saw when we're going to get into the bills here in a little bit, but we saw what they looked like against the lowly New York giants last week, uh, this past week. It's not going to surprise me if they find a way to just come out and steal some of these games and just, just hurt those chances of, of being able to move forward. And I want, I want to kind of pivot the discussion off of this game to the state of the Patriots here. You and I have differing opinions a little bit about Bill Belichick. I believe... I don't know. I think you were right at I, the end of the game. I think I you moved. were right in my camp. You dipped yes. his toe and then you pulled it the right back. The irrational period of thoughts came I'm out I'm not your mind. wife, bro. We don't have that. We don't I have, that. have my Twitter I'd be and I am very irrational. <laughs> I believe that if Bill Belichick gives up his player personnel abilities. I don't think he'll do it. I don't think it's going to happen. But I believe that if he were to... who, Matt Groh? Give it up to... No, no, not Matt Groh. Let them bring in somebody from the outside going Bunch forward. of Tyquan Thorntons? Yes, exactly. Or or Ray... Uh, no, who... I forget the name of the guy. Cameron Groh. Cameron Groh was a linebacker oh, that Jesus they were like, Christ. oh, we got him. We didn't need to draft another linebacker. He's not even on the team anymore. But anyways, if Bill can just coach, I still have faith in him in that. I still have faith that he can get it done. Uh, well, why well, is he deferring every week? Why is he deferring every week? You have a team that can't play def- from behind, and you have your best two defenders on IR. Agree. You're, de- you're deferring every week. Agree. He's set in his ways, dude. From 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 player personnel management to how you actually coach the game on the field, bro. It's 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 over. I think I'm his plate so, is so overloaded. Mad, I'm so I think fucking mad. I think his plate <laughs> is overloaded, and it is his fault. That's it is all right. That's his true. fault. That's true. It's his fault. That's true. He's seventy-one years old, like you pointed out. Just coach the damn game. Be the CEO. Be the damn CEO that has worked out for so long here. Just be it. Let somebody else put the talent on the field. You coach that talent. You can have your input, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be your final say. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it and missing on picks and and not bringing in talent, switch, switching out Juju Smith-Schuster for – or switching out Jacoby Myers for Juju Smith-Schuster. Obviously, that's failed. It's we looked so at it. Bad, we dude. saw it on Sunday so that Jacoby bad. Myers has it. It's like, dude, just give him the money. Like, four touchdowns not, in five games, dude. I don't but think at the end of the day, four touchdowns in the last five games. Bro. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I asked this. I ask you this question right now. If he's not allowed to pay those players – if Robert Kraft is putting the foot down on him spending money, I, and again, I, I have no inside knowledge. Obviously, I'm, I'm just a guy here doing a podcast. But if there's some sort of relationship, like butting of the heads between the two of them about Kraft not letting him spend his money, and it, it's a money thing, there's a problem right there. I mean, I know the, the history of, of Bill is lowballing his guys and lowballing every free agent that just be like, yeah, come come play for me because I'm Bill Belichick. Like that allure is gone. I think we all agree that that allure left when Tom Brady left this organization. 
you don't have the, you don't know who the quarterback is. So how are you going to attract the talent, right? Quarterback's the most important position in the game. If there's some sort of beef between the two of them right now, if the rumors you hear it all the time that Mac Jones was Robert Kraft's pick and not Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick had to follow suit. So when you bring play. in a guy that's going to pick the groceries, isn't the same shit that's happening with Mac going to happen the same way with almost every other position? Then, I think if you're drafting different. a first round pick that Bill doesn't want, is he going to play them at all? Like I that's that's my thing. Is like even if you have a even if you have an inkling of that, bro, you got it. You have to get rid of him, bro. You I think. I think there's a difference. Bill okay. and Robert Kraft have had a relationship for 30 years, 30-ish years, going back to when he was the defensive coordinator for Bill Parcells. There's obviously something going on there. But if they're able to bring somebody in that can level with Bill, level with Robert, and kind of be that intermediary, why not, why not give it a shot? Bill Belichick still can game plan. He could still limit your best ability. I mean, he's done. He proved it early in the season. Here, he proved it early in the season. Even he proved it against Dallas. Dallas whooped them, but he, he took away their best player. CD Lamb didn't really have that great of a game when he played against Dallas. Yeah, it doesn't right? matter when you're giving up forty. Well, I, I again, I agree that that speaks to to what I'm getting at here. You get somebody in here that can load that that team with talent, load the offense with talent. I think it's clear. And if Bill, if Bill doesn't see this and he's too stubborn or stuck in his ways or whatever, then I'm in your camp. Get rid of him. I'm in your camp. I still believe that that dude can game plan weekly, be that CEO on the field, and make the right decisions in the game. But take the shit off his plate. Get somebody in here that can build an offense, acquire the talent for that offense, and do it. Again, I say this all with the asterisk of saying, if Bill doesn't accept it, or is not okay with it, get out the door. I'm done. I'm done watching it. I got over my left over my left shoulder here. I got Bill Belichick on my wall in my basement. Great. I'm very thankful for the 20 years that you had, 20 plus years you had here, dude. You were the best, best. You still, in my opinion, the best coach in the in the history of the league. We can get into the whole Bill versus Brady thing. I don't really want to get into it tonight because we're gonna run out. We you and I could talk for freaking. Four yeah, hours. We'll do a whole different that. podcast series about that. We could do a whole different podcast series about that. But at the end of the day, it was a perfect marriage between a great quarterback, mm-hmm. the greatest quarterback. Let me rephrase that: the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, and the greatest coach, the greatest to ever play North the game. American sports athlete of our generation. Absolutely agree with that statement, hundred percent. Which is why they were able to sustain the success that they had for as long as they did on the best dynasty in the history of North American sports. Let's be honest. They were always there. They won six. They were always. They went to what? Ten. Ten. They went to ten or nine. They went to nine. No, no. lost. No, lost to the Giants twice and the Eagles once. We went to yeah. ten. They went to nine. They oh wait, six. no, we went they to won nine. six. Yeah, Brady. They won, Brady went by himself. Yeah, whatever. Yep. So I, I'm yeah. counting the Tampa. I'm at the point. I'm counting the Tampa Bay Super Bowl. I'm counting it. I'm counting. We'll give them a, a lighthouse too. Fuck it. I don't give a fuck. We'll do a whole nother podcast talking about that. I think that'd be a good like special episode to, to, to break that stuff down. But at the end of the day, the Patriots suck. We'll see what they look like against Buffalo this week. Buffalo will get the perfect segue. I you guys got to give myself Wait, a no, I have, perfect no, segue. No, there. no, 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 no. Oh, no, come no, on. No, you got to ruin I, it? You got to ruin no, it? No, no, no. Great segue. Save it. Um. Bill is almost 15 games under 500 without Tom. 
Just let that float out there. Let that marinate. Think about that. 15 games under 500 without Tom. That includes an 11 and 5 season with Matt Castle with an absolutely fucking loaded roster. Anyway, um, I think a lot of what you said it was valid. I think the Patriot way, whether or not it gets clowned by all the media pundits in this fucking area, um, I think it meant I think it meant just as much as having Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady on his own probably wins probably three or four Super Bowls, and I think. Uh, Bill Belichick with some of the – you don't think Tom Brady on his own wins three or four Super Bowls. He won one I, with fucking Tampa Bay at 42 years old with with an loaded roster. fucking joke as a – dude, he had two really good fucking loaded wide receivers. roster. And then an absolute – dude, he had fucking Ronald McDonald at his fucking head coach, dude. He's like, whatever. We get I, – I, I wanted to spend this part of the fucking episode agreeing with you. God damn it. Shut up. Listen to me. Um, Listen to me. Listen to me. Dude, he's going to win, dude. He's going to win multiple Super Bowls without Belichick. Belichick might win one or two without Tom Brady. He definitely wins one as a head coach, and he might win multiple. But putting them together, it's just like the fucking – it's just like uh, the – what's his name? Phil Jackson and and Michael Jordan, dude. Michael Jordan probably doesn't win until he gets that loaded roster and and a coach that can bring all of those personalities together. It's the same thing with Bill Belichick. It's the Bill Belichick paradox. The thing that's making him expendable right now is the fact that he needs veterans that are bought into the system who are at the height of their game to kind of set the roster in that way. He's not a motivator. He's not going to raw, raw guy. He's not going to get peace. He needs self motivators that are going to be there and be consistent every week. And when he has that, like you said, if, if you can find a GM that he can work with and they can find that, that would be the only fucking way that I will keep him as head coach. But the point being is like, I don't think that marriage of those two, those two things is possible. I don't think there's a GM that you could bring in that Bill bends the knee to if he disagrees on something and doesn't hold it over their head with playing time and incentives and stuff like that. If you can find that marriage, then yes. But I don't, the paradox is, is that if you could find that, there's no way that Bill would acquiesce to it. That's that's just my opinion. And in 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 thinking that, that's why I'm like Bill has to go. They're not going to find a GM that's gonna that's gonna have the football acumen and the cachet to for Bill to bend the knee. They're just not. I just don't think they're going to find that. And you need to you need to remove Bill from the player personnel aspect because he's taking it personal now. And you just. The teams are too talented. The middle is too close to the top, like we said at the top of the episode. Like, we don't have the talent. We don't have Tom Brady anymore. Like, we got to just do – we just got to pick the low-hanging fruit, pick the best guy on the board in the draft, sign really good free agents and give them a bunch of money, and not try to outsmart everybody. Final thought on this. The Bill Belichick-Tom Brady marriage was perfect. It was perfect for 20 whatever, 20 years, I believe it was. Bill Belichick had a hand in drafting Tom Brady. He developed Tom Brady. And those first Shout three, out Dick Rabine. Dick Rabine, RIP. Absolutely 100 percent agree with that. But they Belichick made the made the choice to carry four quarterbacks on the roster. So like absolutely. you can't I totally agree with that. Absolutely. You you don't win those first three titles of the dynasty without Bill Belichick and his defense. I always go with the idea that 
the first half of the dynasty was more Bill, less Brady. But again, perfect marriage. You need both of them. More Bill, less Brady. The second half of the dynasty, more Brady, less Bill. It, again, perfect marriage. You need both of them. Bill Belichick says, go goal line. Go out there and let Malcolm Butler intercept that ball. The defense wins that that Super Bowl against the Rams. So at the end of the day, they don't win six without being married and working together and Brady taking less money and doing the whole thing. Now, you can make the argument that Bill hurt Brady with what he brought, provided him you know, for weapons and everything. You can make that argument. Another podcast, we could talk about it. Absolutely. Maybe that's a good off-season one we can debate. You know what I mean? But I, I, I do agree with a lot of what you said there about Bill. And if he's not going to bend the knee to bring in some guy that's going to work with him and identify the talent and do that, it's he's got to go. We need a change. I was for the change when Brady left. I was like, they need to split. Something needs to give. The team is going to go nowhere. They need to split up. Brady goes to a loaded roster in Tampa Bay, and that was a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl and they get the greatest of all time. So obviously they're going to win the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, it may be time. We still got a season to go. We got a big game next week against the Buffalo Bills, who, again, don't interrupt my segue here. Again, the Bills didn't look all that great this week against the New York Giants. All right. They, this brings us to our next conversation from week six in the NFL Sunday Night Football, the Giants in Orchard Park taking on the Buffalo Bills. I think the Bills were a large favorite in this game. The Bills at 3-2. and two, The Giants were at 1-4 and four going into the game. And the Bills beat the Giants 14-9 on the last second touchdown. Joe, what do you think about the Buffalo Bills? Like, what, is this, what does this say about them, or what does this say about the New York Giants? Are they better than their record, or are the Bills just like worse than, than you know, as advertised as what we've been heard and been forced to listen to for the last few years? I, I just – I know it, I, it's so hard talking to you about the Bills, dude. <laughs> it's just so funny. But um... – yeah, man, I think they're the classic. They're the worst good team I've ever seen in my entire life. They're the worst good team ever. They're a fraction away from winning or losing every fucking game they play in. Um, I don't really have much to say about this game, dude. The, the Giants suck. I think their defense had a good day. I think the Buff the Bills' offense had a bad day. Um, I think Josh Allen is still not the most polished football player. Um, and I think that if they didn't get, I want I don't want to say bailed out, but if they didn't get bailed out on the goal line there, I think that we could be looking at a totally different game. I think they got bailed out more by the play call because you have one of the highest paid and one of the best running backs in football in your backfield. And you throw the ball twice on the one yard line with no fucking time left. Like, are you serious? Brian Daybaugh is running quarterback sneaks from his only – his own. he's running quarterback sneaks from his own one-yard line last year, and he won't run a quarterback sneak from the opponent's one-yard line this year? Like, come on, dude. Like, I, the, the, the Bills benefited from some dumb coaching. I think that I, some people had a problem with Daybaugh showing up, uh, Tyrod Taylor, before halftime. 
I think they both made a mistake there, but I don't have a problem with them like getting in a heated argument. It's sports, and if you can't handle getting yelled at by your coach, go play video games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just the the Bills don't impress me. The Bills are dead in the water. I don't. I mean, uh, um, the Giants are dead in the water. They got to do something with Daniel Jones. I don't know how the fuck you trade that. Con- I thought that Kyler Murray's contract was going to be untradeable, and then I saw Daniel Jones deal, and I was like. Whoa, baby. And I think, but what I do, what I do think is I think they have an out after not this year, but next year, I think they might have an out to get out of there without any guaranteed money. Cause I think he had like a hundred mil guarantee in the first two years. It was like 45 a year, something like that. But regardless, I think, I think the giants are dead in the water. I think the bills need to figure a lot out before uh, they start con- actually contending for super bowls. Because I think with all the injuries on defense, and I think that defensive backfield outside of Traverius white is getting who's obviously injured, but they're getting very old. Their safeties are getting old. They don't look like they used to. I thought that the, the bills defense was going to get scarier, but I think it's uh, kind of petering out to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you you know you know where I stand on the Buffalo Bills, dude. I'll trash on Josh Allen any opportunity that I get, right? This game uh, against the New York Giants at home in primetime, if you don't have to score a touchdown until the fourth quarter and to get bailed, yes, bailed out by the officials at the end of that game at the the goal line. Dude, this is it's not a good look. And I've been super critical of Sean McDermott I think he's an absolute patsy. I think he's a puppet for that of a head coach for that team. And I think we're seeing it a little bit this year with the defense. Like he's calling on the plays. He's just a red defense. ass idiot, dude. He's dude, just all fucking uptight all the time. They seem like they're obviously, you know, injuries aside, they seem a little bit lost. And I, and I know they only gave up nine points in this game to a very, very bad team. But Leslie <laughs> Frazier, who was uh, the defensive coordinator there before, took the year off, did the whole thing there. You know, their defense was among the league's best. I don't consider them there now. And again, injuries obviously play a part in that. But their offense, it's it's the same thing every year for them. It's through Josh Allen. If he's not Patrick Mahomes or the you, you know, playing like the best of the NFL quarterbacks in the league, it's just it's just they got no run game. I mean yeah. That's the thing. Like, why isn't this team going out and trading for 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 stud running back? Why didn't, why weren't they making calls on Jonathan Taylor? You know what I mean? Like, real quick, prayers to Damian Harris. I, I'm glad you're absolutely, okay, bro. Absolutely, absolutely. It's great. To, it's great to see him back. And you know, sucks he got hurt. Scary. Sucks his family had to see that on national absolutely. television. Shit. Absolutely, he you never that. want to see an injury like that. You never want to see that, and especially a consummate professional like that, dude. He's a yeah, yeah. We won't gush Patriot. about. It. I love Damian Harris as a Patriot dude. He was such Absolutely. a good. He's a consummate professional, consummate Patriot way dude. Came on, showed up every day, dude. Great guy. I'm glad he's okay. Absolutely great to see that. But you know, wh- I, you know, we can talk about Damian Harris for a minute. Why aren't they feeding him more? Why aren't they? Why isn't he like their know. starting running back? Like you got James Cook and Latavius Murray getting more carries than like Damian Harris is going to get. It's 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 mind boggling a little bit. And offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey up there, I know, has taken a lot of heat up from the from the Buffalo faithful about you know his play calling and everything to do with him. But it's the same it's the same old story for the Bills. Yeah, they beat they stuck out a win against a bad team. Yeah, good teams do find a way to win. Good teams do find a way to win, even when you're you're playing bad and you're playing against dumpster fire organizations. You find a way to win, and they did that. 
what happens if Stefan Diggs isn't a part of this offense? 10, 10 catches for 100 yards. The next guy, the next guy, Gabe Davis had three receptions. If you take away Stefan Diggs and you find a way to be able to do it while still being able to limit Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, all those guys, you got a recipe for success. You run into a really, really good defense. This Buffalo team doesn't have it. And I'm here for it. I love it. I, I love watching Buffalo fans lose their mind. I have too many friends, as I've stated before on this podcast, that talk too much shit for a team that has never won anything. In fact, has lost four Super Bowls in a row. No team has ever done that. So I just want to get that plug in there. It's 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 intriguing to see. And I think that, you know, the Giants, it's kind of a weird fall from grace for them. Wouldn't you say like Brian Dayball won coach of the year last year. And I think he's a good head coach. I really do. And I think his team is just, they're just, they're just a little bit away from it. They don't really have the wide receiver talent. They the defense is suspect. Um, obviously you find the issues with, you know, Saquon Barkley staying healthy. Daniel Jones, isn't it? Why do they give him the money? Who knows? But it, 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 it's kind of a kind of a weird thing to witness. And I'm going to use this question. I'm going to pose this question from one of our one of our followers, one of the primetime guys, Bobby Bruski. He's on the uh, only Bruins podcast for primetime productions. Here, he's at Bobby Bruski on Twitter. Big Giants fan. Loves writing articles for them. So if you check out the primetime website, he's on there. He's got a question for us. Where do the Giants ship? Saquon Barkley. Do you see the do you see the Giants trading Saquon Barkley either at the trade deadline or after the season, Joe? I don't know, dude. It, dude, the running back shit is so weird now, dude. It's so weird, dude. Jonathan Taylor gets his gets his extension, but like the whole Austin Eckler situation in LA. I don't know, man. It, What's his value? I don't, dude. I don't even. Do you get a first round pick for Saquon? No, I wouldn't give a first round. Do pick you for get? Him. Do you get a first round? Do you what did what was uh, Kojak? Can you look up the trade package for CMC? Stand by. Thank you. But um, the, <laughs> the, dude, the reason why I say that is because so, dude, CMC. You can almost say the same. CMC was uh, had a little bit more production before he got traded, but you could say the same thing about CMC, dude. CMC was always hurt. He was a very flashy but not very consistent player. He played on a fucking bad team with a bad quarterback, and as soon as you put him in a good situation, he became one of the most productive running backs of all time. Yeah, it's it just seems like you know Saquon Barkley is only twenty six years old, but it seems like he's always hurt. And but dude, didn't the, we say the same thing about CMC last year? But the Giants, didn't we, we, talk, we talked successful. about this in the last podcast. We're like, holy fuck, CMC's only twenty seven. Is the year older than Saquon? But Saquon, but Saquon was on a successful team. The, the Giants were, you know, because made the playoffs him, last though. year. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, yeah. the minute he gets hurt, you know, it, it, it's something else. And obviously, he was a very high draft pick. He was a very highly touted prospect coming out of Penn State. I, I, I see the finding the value for him. I, I, I don't know if the Giants will, will say, hey, it's worth it for us to give him up. You know what I mean? And. You know, you know, Kojak, go with the go with that package for for CMC. What they get for you? So the Panthers got Panthers got twenty twenty three second round pick, and they got tight end Brendan uh, Brenton Strange twenty twenty three third round pick, uh, number ninety three tight end Darnell Washington 
2023 fourth round pick, number 132, edge rusher Nick Herbig. Herbig. So they got so they and, got a bunch of picks, two thirds. Yeah. So they got and a tight. Four. They got two tight ends, an edge rusher, and a 2024 no. fifth round pick. Wait, don't, don't, don't. All right. So they got a second round pick, a, a second, a third, pick. a fourth, and a and a fifth. Dude, if I was the Chiefs, dude, if I was, if I was even the Lions after they're all banged up in their backfield, dude, maybe even the Rams, the L.A. Rams. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. You got a contending team that can uh, Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. No, no, mm mm, mm mm, mm mm. Give him to Lamar. Oh fuck! Fuck Lamar. Give him to Lamar. (laughs) Dude, yeah, absolutely. That's a running team. That's a running team. And if your team is there, that's a pick that I feel like you can, you know, a, a cost that you can swallow. It's just a matter of. Are the Giants ready to make that kind of move? I mean, I think given the way their season is going this year, maybe entertain a kind of deal like that. But at the end of the day, he is 26. Are the Giants going to be ready to contend for a Super Bowl title in the next two years? Probably not. I think we can we can agree on that, right? Like you want to get what you can for the asset when the time comes. And I've, you know, just not to cross sports here, but like I, I, I beat the hammer down about this with the Boston Bruins and their goalie situation. It's the same thing. Your team is not going to contend for Stanley Cup. Get what you can for your prime assets while you can get it. And it would be nice to see Saquon get to a team that maybe actually he has a shot to win a title. But to your point, Joe, the running back situation is very, very weird. And it's at kind of a crossroads, I would say. I mean, Le'Veon Bell years back kind of set the stage for what we're, we're kind of witnessing right now. Dude, he the, set the running back position back 10 fucking years with that Jets contract. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. He, 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 basically, he basically bent the knee. He bent the knee to sign that contract after he held out for a whole fucking season. Like, So it's going to be interesting to see where the contracts go for the running backs. But in terms of Saquon, I'd love, I'd love to see him – get to a team where he could actually win something because he is kind of that generational talent that comes through the NFL at that position. Sure. So my, my hot take about this whole bills giant situation is I think Dayball is going to be the head coach of the bills next year. uh, After I I saw him, after I saw him walking out of the stadium with Josh Allen last night, I'm, I mean, dude, if McDermott comes up short again, if they Peter out in the playoffs, if, if the giants go into the fucking toilet, I think, uh, dude, what it sounds like is Josh Allen is very involved with what the organization does. So I think that, um, yeah, I think they're going to make a trade. Because so, I don't think Dayball so gets fired. You send, I don't think he's fired. You send, you send the Giants a first and a second round pick, and you get Dayball and Saquon. No. I'm, I'm, if I'm the Giants, I don't make that trade. You're the Giants? Nope. Oh, jeez, bro. If I'm the Giants nope. and I'm fucking one in ten, and I um, get, and I get, and I can get rid of Dayball, I'm not bailing on my coach of the year one one bad year after he was better than anybody expected them to be. All right, you get him another quarterback. Yes, I get him another. Quarterback. All right, then where's where do you get where do you get rid of Daniel Jones? You find a way. There's ways. There's you just go ways. Jones for Jones with New England. Sign me up. <laughs> 
What? Yes. We have to. I have to endure three years of Max Jones and then another year of Daniel Jones. Yes. Yes. Jones. Jones is your quarterback, no matter how you look at it. I want to send you on that retreat, man. No. Send you in a bad space on that retreat. No. If that if that happens, I hope Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays well (laughs) because I hope the Jets win a Super Bowl and then I go straight into the ayahuasca. All right, yeah, let's let's move, let's move real, real, on, real quick, real quick. I want to t- before we move on to the to the questions that we have some from some of our listeners here. I want to talk about the officiating again. The officiating at the end of the uh, Giants Bills game, big moment, game on the line, absolutely blatant hold in the end zone. Giants lose the game because of a missed call. And, it, and I'm not even so much saying this because it's the Bills. Everybody in here knows my takes on the Bills and why I hate that franchise. But it goes to the bigger picture about these officiating miscues at critical moments in games. And it's been an absolute trend. We got a really good sample size now through six weeks. And they continue to blow the calls that are missed, are ticky-tack and not called earlier in the game, but they're called in the big moment or they're called earlier in the game and they're missing the big moment. And I really truly believe that the NFL has a real officiating problem that is going to impact a big game in the playoffs down the road. Maybe the and Super Bowl. Maybe the maybe Super Bowl. Last year. Exactly. And I really, as a big fan of the sport, I don't want to see the officials in that position making that kind of play and having fans like myself, if we're talking about Buffalo, but have to really hang on that. I want the product on the field to be what decides the game. I don't want the stripes throwing a flag or missing a flag that was called all game in a big moment because because they want to 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 you know get somebody a win. And it just feeds the bullshit that we have to listen to about conspiracy theories about the NFL, about how it's scripted or about how it's rigged. And now you get the whole gambling aspect of the whole thing coming into it. I don't want that for the sport that I love to watch. And I really, really want to get the officiating to get this shit right. Because again, good teams don't put themselves in a position at the end of games to rely on the refs. I get that. But if you're constantly making the moves and making the calls or blowing the calls late in games where it decides a game at the end of the day, I'm not here for it. And it, it ruins a product for me. I just, uh, I don't know. I you can disagree about position. the call. Disagree about yeah, the call. I, I dis- like- dude, I disagree about, I mean, I agree about literally 99% of what you're saying, but like, dude, that second one was a hold, but like, bro, like awful pass, awful play. Like, I hate I, – I just – even even when it's an actual penalty, I hate when, like, bad decision-making and bad play call and, like, bad performance are bailed out because, like, somebody else makes a mistake. And, like, th- like I said at the beginning, bro, you have Saquon Barkley. You just signed him to a new contract. Like, dude, give him the ball. You guys have two shots from the one. You have an untimed down. What are you doing? What are you doing? You already know your quarterback fucking sucks. Your best person on your team is a fucking running back. Give him the ball. Like you don't get you don't get another shot. You don't get another shot. I agree. I it agree is. with you. I don't like refs deciding games. But if you're calling it all game, and if it was the Patriots in a in a big spot, I'm 
I'm beating the officials at that point. If it's called all game, they call the ticky tack bullshit all game. Let's be real. They call it all game and they let it go in a big moment when it really decides the outcome of a game. When it, when it happens on the big stage in the playoffs, don't 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 come back at me and say, "Oh, you didn't tell me that." Like I'll sit here, I'll be sitting here pounding okay. my fucking desk, saying, "I fucking told you this was gonna happen." Like I, I got no no business dealing with that. But again, we'll 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 hit on this as the season goes on because again, we have a large sample size of this happening every week. I'm sure it's not going to go away. I'm sure we're going to have something to talk about the refs every week. I really want the NFL to fix this, but let's, let's move forward here. Uh, we'll get into our picks for the week. All right. We, we like to give you a couple picks and we like to give you a lock for the week too here. So Joe, I'll defer to you here first. I think, think you and I might have a, have a similar pick here. So I'll let you, let you take my thunder on it and run with it. So go. Word. All right. So we're looking at right now. Uh, last week, uh, last week we were um, we were four, we were four two and one last week, uh, and then this week we were. Um, I'm trying to do the math in my head right now because I did not prepare as uh, as I should have. My but lock we, was right. <laughs> yeah. So Berg went one and one. I went two and two one. And one. So it's, that's that's three and one plus. And one. I went two and four. one. So you went two and one. I went two and one. So that's five, six, seven, eight, eight, two and one, uh, eight, eight, four and one <laughs> as a podcast. All right, we're good. Eight, four and one as a podcast. Let's eight, go. Actually, no, we're eight, five and one because Kojak fucking picked the fucking Eagles. The fuck? Come on, man. Oh, it's Yo, all right. One time so, you play them, you're gonna fucking lose. Oh, dude. That, that, once I saw that, I was like, well, I'm never picking a fucking. Uh, sometimes you gotta fade. Podcast. You gotta fade real life. A fade real life on that one. Yeah, but uh, Berg had uh, Dallas minus two as his lock. Bang. He had Chicago plus two and a half. What an idiot. And then he had Jacksonville minus four, which is a really good pick. I like that pick when he said it. Um, but I let's get Creed, my- if I had known Creed was going to be going with, with Minnesota there, I would have slammed that. So, Can so you take me exactly. Um, Minnesota did take me higher. I had the Minnesota money line on the road. Uh, if you, if you laid the points, you still would have hit two. I had Bengals minus three at home. Bang, bang, choo, choo, trang. And then I had the San Francisco 49ers minus five and a half as my lock, which was, uh, fucking horrible. Um, we already talked about that. Um, Brock Purdy, you're still my guy, but taking a five and a half point favorite, that's literally one of the best teams of the last couple years on the road. Versus a team that's playing a player that played in a different league two years ago. Um, yeah, it's a bad beat. And then we had Kojak. He had the Eagles minus seven. They've never lost the Jets until Kojak picks them on BTP podcast. So uh, I want to jump to our picks this week. Um, I'm going to throw it to Burge real quick because I've been talking for a second and I hate the sound of my voice. So... Um... My big pick for this week is I think you this is the one that you and I you and I yep. share on here. It's the Detroit Lions giving three points on the road against Love the that. Baltimore Ravens. I, I myself and I think we've talked offline, Joe, we're big buyers into what the Detroit Lions are doing up there. For sure. I am a fan of this team for the rest of the season because my team sucks. So I'm buying <laughs> the Detroit Lions, uh, you know. 
going all the way to the Super Bowl. I'm a big fan going all the way. So uh, it's not going to be my lock. I'm not going to make it my lock of the week, although I want to, but I'm not going to do it. But Detroit my, plus three on the road against Baltimore. I love what Detroit's doing up there. As long as that team stays healthy, I got to see what, what the update is on David Montgomery, both from this perspective and my fantasy team perspective, because I made a trade to get David Montgomery if Saturday last week and he gets hurt. And we'll get into the fantasy stuff in a little bit, but Detroit plus three on the road in Baltimore. I like them to you know continue rolling. I really don't believe this is a trap game for that team. This is a team where Dan Campbell, the ultimate players coach, motivator, whatever you want to call it, biting kneecaps. I'm buying everything that they're doing up there. Jared Goff is an absolute, absolute renaissance with this guy i think all of us when the trade was made for matthew stafford thought jared goff was going to be there for a year or two maybe they were going to draft the next guy and they were going to move on but jared goff has looked really good through six weeks here so give me give me detroit plus three there uh we'll get into my lock here my lock of the week sunday night football miami at philadelphia i'm taking the dolphins plus two here i like what the dolphins are doing i know I know Von A-Chain got hurt and is out for a while, but they didn't miss a step this past week. I, I really like what Miami's doing. I believe they're going to win the AFC East over the trash bag Buffalo Bills and the garbage can New England Patriots and the oft-hurt New York Jets. I like them to keep rolling here. Philly obviously is coming off a bad loss, so that that, that gives you a little bit of a – you know. Pause on it, but I'm still. I, Miami comes out, they dominate. Obviously, they got off to a slow start against the winless Panthers this past week, but they ended up rolling in the game. I like them to continue that. So give me Miami plus two. I'm taking the underdog in this one as my lock of the week, and as my as my final pick, I like Kansas City minus five and a half against LA Chargers. Oh, I like that pick too. Yeah. The the the, the Chargers are just an absolute loser franchise. They have so much talent there and they just cannot seem to get out of their own way you guys saw that that woman going viral this you know the other night i think it was last night monday football against the cowboys just going crazy you could see the agony in her face a little bit you know in the clips that that, that were out on social media but my 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 other pick's gonna be the chiefs minus five five and a half right now on DraftKings sportsbook uh, 425 in Kansas City in Arrowhead. I like them to just roll in that game. I don't have any faith in the Chargers until they show me otherwise. So Kansas City minus five and a half. I have the Lions plus three on the road in Baltimore. And as my lock of the week, I'm going out on a limb and giving the Dolphin or taking the Dolphins plus the two points to to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Joe, turn it over to you. All right, well, I'll just get my lock of the week out of the way early because I kind of bungled that whole segment. But I'm going to take uh, Detroit plus three. That's my lock of the week. As soon as I saw that line, as soon as I saw that line, I was I sent it into the group chat. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You're going to be biting kneecaps on the road getting three? Yeah, give me that line. Um, another uh, another get, uh, another game I like is going to be the Rams minus three at home. I like uh, it. They're two, and, they're two and one at home. They're four and one, and they're four and one and one against the spread this year. Uh, the Steelers' uh, passing game just just going on a limb here might not travel well. Um, so give me the give me the Rams at home minus three, and then my uh, last pick here. My last pick here is going to be uh, Washington minus two on the road. Uh, I the like it. Giants suck. 
It's right up the road. The uh, the Washington's three and zero versus the spread this year on the road. Um, I think the Giants are dead. I think the the Washington's due for a bounce back, and I think uh, I I honestly think that Washington has a QB advantage in this game. I think Sam Howell is already a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm gonna go with uh, Lions plus three as my lock. I'm gonna go with the Rams minus three and Washington minus two as my two other picks. I'm going to throw it over to Kojak, even though he has no idea what his pick is already. <laughs> um, I do want to say a stat for the last time I said a stat, it didn't go well in my favor, but the, uh, the saints have no, the, the tw- <laughs> 12 straight games have never hit the over. And the over for Thursday is 39 and a half. So you're going under um, for Jack, uh, under oh, on a Thursday game? Thursday oh, yeah. Thursday game. Under on the Thursday game? Slam Maybe. it. At 100%, yeah. yeah. Slam and it. The, and Jacksonville is plus one. Yeah. I got a 39 and a half. So we'll yep. go Kojak, you go under 39 and a half? Yep. I, think, yeah. I, I think like it. I like it. That's, the that's last a pretty time I said some long ass stat like that. I was, I was wrong. <laughs> we'll see what happens um real qu- real quick before we move on as we're talking about week seven with our picks here got a question from tommy bennett the primetime guy here always a big fan of the pod always giving us questions always promoting us so we appreciate you tommy Shout out follow the him on on twitter at tj bennett 37 big guy with primetime what teams so far through six weeks have surprised you in a good way? And what teams have surprised you in a bad way? Joe? Uh, number one team that surprised me in a bad way is the New England Patriots. They fucking Absolutely. Suck, um, the best Absolutely. team that surprised me in a good way, uh, I just, I, I'm going to railroad right through that because I have already been sad today and I'm not doing it again. I'm working on growth and I'm working on positivity and I will put the Patriots last loss in uh, in in the rearview mirror. But my surprise team is, dude, we talked about him. Let's bite some fucking kneecaps, dude. It's 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 got to be the Lions, dude. I thought there's uh, – I'm very – like we talked about at the top, I think parity in the league is huge. I think that a lot of teams that are on the trend up take a step back. As you look at the uh, the Bengals who are trending up, now they're trending down a little bit. Not saying they're not going to make a rebound, but um, I'm surprised about the Lions. I didn't think that I didn't think they're going to be shot out of a cannon like this. I thought that we're going to get off to a slow start because nobody would take them lightly like they did last year. So um, I think that Dan Campbell and the Lions are a real good feel good story. And then the other team, dude, is the fucking Jets, bro. The mm-hmm. Jets have surprised the fuck out of me. As soon as they lost Aaron Rodgers, I was like, oh, word, there's another two wins on the Patriots schedule. Now, I don't know if that's a lock anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that I think the Jets are good, dude. They have a good team. I don't want to say Zach Wilson's figuring out, but he's not fucking firing a fucking RPG into the mm-hmm. Jets offensive team room anymore. So I think that uh I think the Jets are in a good place, and I think the Lions are another surprise as well. I think those are the two most surprising teams to me on the positive side of things. Absolutely. I'll echo, I can echo pretty much everything you said there. Most disappointing team for me is the New England Patriots. Obviously a little bit of bias there, but I expected them to be a lot better and competitive than they are right now. I think, I think a lot of the league thought so too, but at the end of the day, they're not. So they're, they're the team that surprised me in a very bad way. And I think it's just talent 
bad coaching. I think it's just a perfect storm. I think it's a perfect storm that's hitting the New England Patriots right now, and I think it's bad. In terms of the good way, Lions absolutely buying the hell out of them. And I just I can't help but love what what Dan Campbell is doing up there. And it's it's just crazy. And again, I, it, not to pivot again to the bad way, but I don't really want to go into a whole lot of detail on the good way because we are still not even halfway through. Lions, slam it. Big time. Bad way, Giants. Giants definitely, mm-hmm. after what they did that's last a, year. A good, that's a good bad surprise. Are Especially made, for Coach of the Year, big contract yeah, for the quarterback, yeah. Absolutely. I expected a lot more of them. I expected them to be more competitive in that division. And the division that seems like it's open every year, there's always a battle for the you know the top spot in that division. And the, you know it's, it's just crazy to see that. And the other one, the obvious, Cincinnati Bengals, very slow start. They seem to have turned it around. And I expect them to continue to throw the Ravens around. in there too. Keep it in the NFC yeah. North. I thought I didn't. I was kind of. I don't want to say high on the Ravens, but no, I was high. On, I was high on the Ravens. I thought if after they paid Lamar, it would get a lot better. I thought OBJ was a good signing for them because I feel like he's the perfect wide receiver for Lamar, who's not the most accurate passer. He's more of a big catch radius guy and a run after the catch guy. Um, so I, I don't know. I uh, I feel like, like we said at the top of the episode, there's a lot of parity in the league. There's going to be a lot. Of, I feel like going forward in the next couple of years, I feel like there's going to be a lot of teams that we can put on both of these lists. Absolutely. One final question before we get into the quick fantasy segment we got planned for you guys. Oh, Who's, your dark her- Who's your dark horse to win it all this year? This is from Ian Kennedy at Kennedy i57 host of the Indie Bleeds Blue podcast with Primetime gave us the question here. I'll lead off with this. My dark horse, I don't want to say to win it all, but I want to see them make make noise this year. See Houston Texans with CJ Stroud. And I, we're going to bring it in here. We'll bring CJ Stroud. I know yeah. we talked about we're going to shoehorn CJ Stroud into every one of these fucking podcasts, whether <laughs> yeah. you like it or not. Absolutely. I mean, that team is one game out of the lead of their division, that division that we all talked about before the season as kind of up for grabs. Obviously, Jacksonville's the favorite there. They're at 4-2. and two, But the Houston Texans on the bye – in week seven, sit at three and three, a little bit better than I think a lot of us thought they were going to be. They've looked a lot better, really good on offense, you know, with, with Shroud. You got Tank Dell down there and Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce. You got all those guys in that offense, and they've looked a lot better. D'Amico Ryan seems to be like, he may be a guy that might be able to stick down yeah, there. I love D'Amico so, Ryan's, what he's doing down there, bro. Absolutely. So they're my true dark horse, but again, uh, to hammer the point home with the Detroit Lions, I didn't expect them to be five and one out of the gate, but they're they're my they're my real team to win it all. Joe, I think a dark horse. It's it's kind of weird that it took it was this quick to get them to a dark horse, but I think the Rams are a dark horse. I I think that Stafford's got his swagger back. He's got two number one wide receivers, dude. Puka's Puka, I'm, dude. I've got the Puka fever, dude. He's, yeah, absolutely. He's fucking nasty, dude. I think they've got good pieces on their offense. I think they've got a great. I, if I could put on some tight corduroys and, and slick my hair back right now, I would. I love Sean McVay. I love what he's doing. He's a good motivator. He's got a good offensive mind, and I think that. Even though they got the Niners in their division and the Niners fucking thump them every time, 
there's no guarantee that Brock Purdy can do it by himself if these if these if these first team all pros on his offense keep getting hurt. So uh, I think the NFC is a little weaker this year because the Eagles aren't as strong as they were last year. I think it's a one team race with the 49ers if they stay healthy. But I think that's where dark horses thrive is when there's a little bit of minutia, when there's a little bit of uh, confusion and chaos in the middle. And I could see a veteran team that's been deep in the playoffs before, like the Rams. I could see them doing it again. I like it. I like it. So we got uh, Houston and LA as our dark horses, Ian. So appreciate the question. Appreciate the shout out. Check out his podcast, Indie Bleeds Blue with Primetime Productions. He's on Twitter at KennedyI57. Let's move on to some quick fantasy football stuff before we plug it up here. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty big fantasy football players. I think I'm a little bit more involved with fantasy football than you are, Joe. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lead off, I want to say. We have a primetime productions fantasy football league this year. All right. I just came back and won against Nick Melanson. He's one of the prime time guys. He had CMC. Him and I were going toe to toe, you know, at the draft and talking all the time. Got a good win against him. He obviously had some injuries with CMC getting hurt and all that, but got a big win. And yo, Boozy, don't be talking shit to me about getting whomped in one week. All right. If you guys follow me on Twitter at Burge the Goalie and you know, the, 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 the the Brock Brock breaking the par, uh, breaking the plane podcast on Twitter at BTP underscore podcast underscore, he's calling me out because he stopped me last week. He got lucky. I got I had I had a really underperformed bad week. I started Anthony Richardson. He gets hurt. You know that whole thing. So you know what, pound sand, dude. Come playoffs, dude. I'm gonna kick <laughs> your freaking ass. All right. So. Calm, calm down with the with the shit talking until you until you do something. All right, you beat me in the regular season. I ain't about the regular season. I'm about the playoffs. All right. Anyways, we got a uh, we got a question from one of the new guys with Primetime. He's a uh, host of the College Football Podcast with Primetime at Poolside Pat One Patrick Gary. Shout out PJ Sleepy. Emoji. Oh, this dude's hilarious on Twitter. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome dude, dude. I like this guy. Played played uh, sim hockey with him for years. Loves throwing the sleeping emoji around. His question is, what is the best waiver wire addition for this week? Yikes. So, you know, looking at it, if he's still available in your league, Josh Downs with Indianapolis is a great pickup. Even though Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson is hurt, you still get Gardner Minshew back there slinging it around. Alec Pierce is nursing an injury there in Indianapolis. So Josh Downs has a really good good opportunity to kind of seize a second wide receiver role to Michael Pittman Jr. there in Indianapolis. So love that pickup. Another one I want to I want to slam here, and it's going to pain me to do it because if CMC is truly hurt and he's truly banged up, and we're going to deal with this throughout the whole season, Jordan Mason and Eliza Mitchell, the running backs behind CMC in that San Francisco offense, go pick them up. Just to be safe, because at the end of the day, that offense Dude, is going to roll. We would get fantasy points in that offense. You're going to roll no matter what, and you get get those guys, get them in there. They still get carries even when CMC is in there, especially if this team is as good as build. There's going to be a lot of situations where CMC ain't going to be playing. They're going to sit them down because they don't want them to get hurt. So get garbage time points. We love that in fantasy football here uh, on yeah. the Breaking the Plane podcast. We love the love the garbage time. And my third one, and he may not be on waivers, 
depending on what kind of format that you do. If you do Dynasty, he's definitely not going to be available. But if you do like Standard or PPR, anything like that, Jameson Williams with Detroit, that offense is rolling. That offense is absolutely rolling. Amon Ross St. Brown, I love that dude. Drafted him in my rookie draft in my Dynasty League. Love that The dude. coolest fucking football name going right now. Absolutely. The God of the Sun St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown. Cool as hell. Love it. Love it. But if he's going to be dinged up, Jamison Williams was a first-round pick, and he only missed the first handful of games this year because he was gambling on, uh, I believe it was another sport. I don't even believe it was the NFL, but he was suspended. He was inside the, he was inside the facility, brother. Yeah. He I don't know. On, I think it was college football inside the facility. Whatever. I, I, that, see, that doesn't, you know, that's a whole other conversation. We could, do, we could go, yeah. go further with that, but, you know, Absolutely. Let the left refs gamble. Let the fucking players gamble. Absolutely. He's an absolute this guy's an absolute stud. All right. He was a stud at Alabama before he blew out his knee. I think it was in the national championship game. He blew out his knee. So that's why he slipped in the draft. I uh, pick him up if he's available because now that he's gonna start getting into the groove and start getting moving in this offense, I think there's a really strong possibility that he ends up number two in this offense behind Amon Ra. Because the other guys that they have there are, are kind of jags, so to speak. Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds, they're kind of jags. So pick him up. I think come late season fantasy playoffs, he absolutely could be a big player for your team. So I don't know if you guys have anything to add about fantasy. I know Joe's got oh, a yeah. little bit of a story to talk about here from last week. Uh, I went on my, my gloating spree about beating Mel, and now Joe's got a little bit of another story. So take it away, Joe. Yeah, no gloating on my side. Um, something actually more painful than the Patriots being ass cheeks. Uh, real quick on a uh, real quick on a sleeper, uh, Keontae Ingram from the Arizona Cardinals. He had 12 touches last week. His first game back after injury after uh, Connors got hurt. I think they might start featuring him here going forward, especially if they're going to go the tank route, which I feel like is uh, cons- it kind of inflates uh, running back numbers. Um, the other thing I want to say about fantasy is. Do you ever just want to hear about somebody being miserable? Well, that's me. Love it. So uh, I go into I, – I can't remember the score. Long story short, I have I have Austin Acker go, going. One of my good buddies has uh, the Cowboys defense going. Um, you probably know how this is going to end. So we're tied. Uh, L.A. has the ball on the goal line. Um, swing pass to Austin Eckler. Uh, Herbert underthrows him. Shoestring catch. Cornerback rips over the other three defenders, comes and makes a great tackle on the goal line. I'm like, okay, I got the one point for the reception. Awesome. I'm up by one point. <laughs> I should be in the clear because uh, Dallas <laughs> is going to try to go down. Um, and if they score, whatever. All right, so long story short, L.A. gets the ball back. What happens? Love it. Herbert throws the interception to Stephon Moore, which is two points for the defense, which means I lose by one point. Pain. My am now one in five in a 14 person league, averaging 135 points a game and being third in the scoring. I'm one in five. I'm getting <laughs> fucked from every angle. You, if you can find a hole, throw right in the now, towel. Fuck me. You can fuck me if you can find a hole. I wish it was a dynasty league because I would. All right, let's just let's end it here. Just cut it the fuck off. Just rip all the cords out. I'm one in five. The Patriots are one in five. And you're balding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, 
Man, throw Kojak throwing in the digs here, man, from the producer chair, man. Oh damn! Wow. I guess the I guess the fantasy segment doesn't make the pod this week. Damn, that sucks. <laughs> oh man. Well, just 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 to kind of plug up the fantasy segment, we are going to be talking about fantasy here on the Breaking the Plane podcast. We are fantasy players. We are passionate about it, as you heard from two different angles. Tonight, with mine being a gloating win and Joe being a absolute railing in the rear end, so to speak. I scored 150 points in a 14-person league, and I lost. That is the definition of a bad beat. I've been on the receiving end of a few of those. Uh, I play dynasty football, so for those that I don't follow dynasty football, it's year-round kind of closest to that you can get to being an NFL GM with fantasy football you got a salary cap you got to maintain a certain number of years of contracts you got a rookie draft you got an auction for the veterans and it's a year round thing i have twice scored the most points in the regular season for that same league and missed the playoffs both times that's that's kind of the kind of the railing that i've taken so i feel you on this show i feel you on it Big time, and I catch crap from the league mates all the time about it. But I'm always in the in the conversation at the end of the year. So we are going to talk about fantasy here. So if you guys are listening, you want to send us any kind of fantasy questions, want some input, it may not be good based on what we just told you, but we'll give you our input. We'll talk about it. We love talking fantasy football here. So we will continue to have this segment going forward you guys got any final thoughts before we plug up this episode here i know we've gone a lot longer than uh the rest of our episodes but if you guys got any final thoughts yeah my only advice for the listeners would be for gambling tail me and then for fantasy tail bearish just everything i say about fantasy write it down on a piece of paper crumple it up light it on fire and then throw it away it's Mm. it's 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 basically worthless everything i say about fantasy it doesn't it doesn't matter you can it kind of say matter. the same thing about my gambling. I always meant make the wrong picks, but we'll see. No, I'm, dude, I'm no, do, Bears I'm doing pretty good this year. Home. Dude, that was great, bro. That was great. I'm doing pretty good this year so far. I'm doing pretty good. Not going to lie. I'm doing pretty oh, good. Sure, bro. All right. It's good. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. As long as I cash and I end up on top. Yeah, baby. Yeah, dude. 500 is good. I wasn't being sarcastic. I'm never sarcastic anyway. So you should know. <laughs> no, <that>. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, at the end of the day here. You guys can follow all of us on on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it these days. I'm, Social media, finally known, formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. The podcast is at BTP underscore podcast underscore breaking the plane, and I'm on the Twitter or X at Burge the goalie. Joe Sure is at the underscore Juicy Jew, and Brennan Kojak Allen here is at Allen. 13 Brennan. So give us a follow, give us a shout out, shoot us a DM. Anything you want to hear us talk about on the podcast here, we're, we're, we love having the, the listener interaction and questions. We love taking them and we love talking about anything you guys bring to us. So again, thanks for, thanks for coming in guys. Love talking with you every week and we'll catch you all next week. Have a good week. Tell your guys. friends about the ayahuasca hut. Goodbye, Absolutely. Friends.